Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really excited to announce a lovely guest coming all the way from Long Island. This is Danielle. Danielle, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? All right. Hey, guys. So I just hope everyone's well and doing good during this crazy time. Um, so I was diagnosed with lupus 20 years ago, but that is not where my journey actually began. It began as a teenager. I had mono when I was, um, a freshman in high school. And after that, it just, I was tired and never felt well and things were just never feeling quite right with me. So starting at about you know 15 years old, my parents started taking me to different doctors and, Back then, there was like chronic fatigue syndrome and Epstein-Barr syndrome, like these, I guess that was like the box that they put people in when they really couldn't figure out what was wrong with them. So for years, I was like, okay, I guess I have this Epstein-Barr or chronic fatigue, whatever it is. And as I got older, it it just kept getting worse. It was like, I'm just, something's wrong. My joints hurt. My muscles hurt. I can't get up a flight of stairs. And just same thing. It's, you know, went to a, um, autoimmune specialist. I even went to a, um, oh my gosh, not an autoimmune, like a chronic illness, like type where they thought that I had, um, Munchausen's <laughs> and they, right. They wanted to make sure that I wasn't cuckoo in my head. And it got to a point where I was kind of like, am I, maybe I am, maybe I'm actually nuts. <laughs> This is, but the thing is, I was running half marathons and exercising. So I just was like, all right, I'm tired, but I'm going to push through it, get married, going on and on. Wind up getting pregnant. And through routine blood work, my blood work came back that I had lupus. So here I am now, 25 years old. It's been 11 years of me thinking I'm nuts, completely flip my top. And they find out that it's, it's lupus. And at the time, so that's 20 years ago. So at the time it was like, you know, computers weren't, at least for me, I'm, I'm older, so I'm going to be 48. So for me, it was like, you know, oh, I, I have to try to figure out what is lupus. And you know, like, don't worry, we'll manage your pregnancy and everything's going to be great. No problem. We got this. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, no problem. Well, fast forward six months. I start to become preeclamptic and toxic, and I gained 40 pounds in two weeks. I was over 220 pounds. I gained over 100 pounds. I was huge, the size of me. And if you touched my skin, it was just full of fluid. So you would touch it and you would see the water like disperse. Like it was squishy and mushy skin. So they put me on bed rest and whatever. I have my son and while I'm in labor, the nurse asked the doctor a question and he says, are you kidding me? Can't you see she's hemorrhaging? And we heard the blood like buckets pouring out of me. I started hemorrhaging to find out not only do I have lupus, I have a blood clotting disorder called antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. So it wound up being like this collection of events that just continued to go on and on and that I've been struggling for so long. So then 
we come home from the hospital and I felt something bizarre in my leg. I'm like, I think I have like an inside black and blue. It turned out that was a DVT. <laughs> so go on Coumadin, the whole to-do, fix that. And we found the specialist and found out how to deal with everything, which was great. And they're like, you know, no more children for you. You're finished. You can't have any more. And you have the blood clotting disorder. And he didn't really want to live like that. So, and couldn't just take that answer. I'm a fighter. So I found another doctor and told me I could have another baby. And I took a blood thinner every single day. It was completely closely monitored. I gained maybe 30 pounds with my daughter. Um, had her. And then from there, I was good. Like I must've been in remission, not knowing that there was remission. I just thought I was like a high functioning lupus person. And then as they got older and the activities started to come in. So where they had me running ragged every day and getting up in the morning and doing my errands and going to work, it hit again. And now I knew what it felt like to have lupus. And then the hard part is now People now aren't understanding how I was so high functioning for so long and I look great and I look normal, but no one was able to understand what I was actually feeling and what my body was going through. So we were going to different doctors and specialists to figure out, you know, what do you go on? What do you do? And unfortunately for lupus, there's no one size fits all. It's trial and error. It's what works for that person. It may not even be a lupus medication. It could be a mal anti-malarial medication, which is the HCQ that people take. And I wound up going on that. Um, and at the time it was very new and it was, why am I going on this? Well, it may or may not work. Okay. It may or may not work. What um, are the side effects of it? And it was, there were a lot. And I went on it and within, let's say a year, my eyes were affected by the HCQ. So I came off, I was one of the people that had the side effects from it. And honestly, I wasn't feeling any different from being on it. So to me, it was like, it may or may not work. I'm having these side effects. Is it worth it? And then I just became very nervous to go on anything ever again. And I kind of suffered silently uh, for years. I just didn't tell anybody if I was not feeling well, I would push myself to go to dinner with friends and family. And I would make sure I got my kids to where they needed to be. I did everything. I never really told it. There were people that would meet me years later, find out that I had lupus. And they were like, we never knew you had lupus. Like no one, you never told us. And I didn't, I never told anybody. Then my son started a charity for me when he was 14 and then everybody found out. And it was again, what, you know, you, you have something. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I have this thing. <laughs> I don't tell anybody about. Uh, then in August of 2017, we were moving and I hit the flare of my life. It was, I couldn't come up and down the stairs. I couldn't get into my bed. I could not brush my hair. I couldn't put my clothes on. It was horrendous. And I just refused to go on any medication because anytime I went for blood work, it was coming back 
as if I was crazy. Like the blood work wasn't really showing what I was feeling. And the doctor was like, well, it's not that high. And no, you can kind of get through. We can give you a round of steroids. And which I did. I did the five pack, whatever it is, where you take the five pills, four pills, three pills. Um, I did that. But then I got to a point where I just started to Google. And I'm like, diet and lupus, um, holistic treatments for lupus. And I took all these crazy ideas and came up with my own of what I was going to do to fix myself in quotes, like just what I was going to do for me. And I tried the autoimmune protocol diet in conjunction with the keto diet. And within six months, I went into remission. And it's been now two and a half years. And I am in full-blown remission from that. And now I just spend my time advocating. Mm -hmm. I'm part of an advocacy group. I run a virtual support group that we're in the midst of getting going right now with three other amazing people. And I just want to be that person that understands when other people really don't understand what someone's going through. And to let people know, like, your life's not over. You can, there are things out there and it gets better. It does get better. And you can't succumb sometimes to just what you're feeling. Like you have to, you have to be happy and you just kind of have to go through because life's too short. It's just too short. And you got to do what's best for you. Sometimes the doctor doesn't always know best. You have to listen to them though. You have to like listen to what they say and tell them what you're about to do. But you can't, <laughs> you can't always, you know, just go by their, their thing. Listen to yourself too. It's important. And that's my crazy story. Yeah. And I think that that's such a huge thing being an advocate for yourself because you're exactly like me. As soon as I stopped taking treatment and I took control of my health and my diet, it's like, well, I'm not on treatment now, but I'm in remission. So it's like, yeah, you know, what do you do? You know, and I understand it's, it's not that one size fits all for everybody. No. Like somebody may say, you know, that's great keto work for you, but I tried it. And I do want to say, well, did you try it for two or three days or did you try it for three, four months? Like how long did you actually try it for before you said any treatment, even if, you know, putting like turmeric on your vegetables every day, it's an anti-inflammatory. It's a great thing. It doesn't take much effort. Just sprinkle it on your vegetables every single day. And it's one step closer to health, you know? So I hear where you're coming from. It, it's, you have to advocate for yourself. You have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, you're so right in regards to like taking your treatments, regardless of if it's like a holistic treatment or if it's medication or whatever, because I'm definitely the type of person where if I don't have to take medication, I won't. And I, unfortunately in my most recent years, I would maybe try something for like two weeks and be like, okay, this isn't working. I'm done. But <laughs> you know, it's, there's a lot of people out there. And, and so for me, my diet, I'm vegan. And once I went vegan, like pretty much all the inflammation in my body, like dissipated. Wow. And yeah. And, um, but that being said, I'm not going to go to somebody with Crohn's disease and be like, Hey, you should go vegan. Cause it'll put you in remission. Whatever. No, Cause all that cheese will real, all that other stuff will do them real good. <laughs> 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 Yeah, exactly. So, but you know, it's just so funny how you you say, you know, you like, did you try it for like this time or did you try it for a longer period of time? Because I mm -hmm. think there's so many people out there that just don't give themselves enough time 
to try something to heal. Because for me, like I take turmeric every single day and I think it does wonders. And I can tell. Oh, everyone talks about the turmeric. It's the funniest thing because it's the it easiest, is. It's the easiest one to just grab yeah. and go. Like it's just totally. the simplest, a little bit of Ceylon cinnamon. Like it's just so easy for those things to just incorporate them into your diet. No harm, no mm -hmm. foul. Like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's natural too. It's not like it's a chemical that you're putting in your body that's going to hurt exactly. you. It's like, it's a natural thing. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, oh, well, it's not going to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> so what do you think was the hardest thing that you had to go through when you were diagnosed or maybe before? I think the hardest thing was just before thinking that I had kind of lost my mind. Like it just like, I was like, well, is there something really wrong with me? Am I just crazy? And then after the hardest part was I have a, my daughter is 17 and I know that these things are hereditary and she recently had to go for some blood work um, to go on birth control pills for, because she was bleeding very heavily, which made me nervous. So they wanted to rule out any blood clotting disorders or lupus or anything. And I tell you that those like four days waiting for those results to think that I could have potentially passed something down to her. That might've been the hardest part of this whole entire thing. Just wondering like, did I pass this on to her? What is her life going to look like? What's her future? But thank God she came back all okay. And Paul was fine, but that's, that, that was rough. That was rough. Just sitting there those few days wondering, you know, when something's yeah. Yep. And I imagine like you have a flu of emotions that come in like, you know, sadness and guilt and frustration mm -hmm. when, even though it's like, you know, we can't predict these things, but you right. still feel all those emotions. It's so, so frustrating. Number one, because so you know, your brain just automatically goes to the worst possible outcome. And it's like, yeah. oh, oh, what, was, what, I don't, what did I do sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, and then, that's scary. now is hard too. Yes. I think this quarantine is very difficult because for somebody that was sick or active at one point in time, so I was, so I've spent my life where I've had these quarantine moments and I know what that feels like, but that was because I wasn't feeling well. So now here we are again, where I feel great, I'm feeling amazing, and you can't go anywhere. And it's kind of like, I empathize because I've been there, but I'm kind of like, well, I really want to go out. And <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's brutal. It's like, okay, I did my own quarantine in my own time. Can I just yes. pretend like this isn't happening, please? <laughs> Somebody like you and I, like we even, like, I don't know if you're a doctor, like mine called me before the official quarantine and said, even though you're in remission, you really need to kind of lock up. It's time for you to go in the house because you're still a higher risk. You still have a suppressed immune system. So we've been doing this a little bit longer than everybody else. And you know, it's, it's We're pros. Uh, we're pros. We got the. Well, that's we're why I, I was like, I got this. This is not going to be a problem. I've done this before. Now I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not seeing more people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like you need advice on quarantine. I got your back. <laughs> right. 
But it, yeah, no, my, my doctor actually called me cause I was on an immunosuppressant before the quarantine happened. And like, mm-hmm. I had talked to him before and I was like, I don't think this is working. I, again, me being stubborn as stubborn can be here. But you know, I, I said to him before the quarantine, before all this started happening back, maybe November, December. And I said to him like, doctor, like this isn't working. It This isn't, this isn't working. This isn't working. You need to put me on something else. Or like, I would really like to try with nothing kind of thing. And then anyway, so we ended up, I think it was March, the end of March, just after everything had happened. And he said, yeah, like, you know, because of the quarantine and everything, I think, I guess we could just try without any medication for now. And I was like, oh, great. Thanks. Finally, I get your approval. Thank you, quarantine for this. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But you know, it's, well, and it was a bit of a risk, but I think he said like, you know, if you go off the medication, there's more of a risk of you getting really sick if you get the coronavirus with this medication mm-hmm. versus me flaring. So it was kind of, you know, I don't think it was like 50-50, like there is a more, anyways, whatever. Although I don't really live in a very big town. It's not like I'm in a big city or anything that has a lot of cases of the coronavirus. How was, how was uh, Long Island? Oh, well, <laughs> we got killed here. <laughs> oh, no. New York was pretty bad. I mean, we have mm-hmm. the highest amount of deaths. I want to say like 33,000. Wow. Um, and I do believe that that's because we were one of the first states to actually mm-hmm. get it. And we, and we just didn't know in the beginning. I just think mm-hmm. there was so much uncertainty and people didn't know how to take care of it. They didn't know what was coming their way. There was a lot. People were scared. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that is just a learning curve of what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And that's why I think other states benefited. I hate to say it, but that's what science is, right? You learn and you get better. And so they learned from these deaths. And I like to think these people didn't die in vain, right? And we learned a little yeah. bit something from them. You know, other states now, like Florida and Arizona and Texas, are blowing up here. But thank God, no one's dying. The hospitalization rate is down. They're just, their numbers are crazy, but people are living and they're mm-hmm. doing great. So hopefully now we know, we know better. So we know better. So we do better. And, yeah, you know, I definitely see that. Um, and in New York, I mean, we're doing great now. We, I don't think we even have, there was a day of no reported cases, none. Wow. Yeah. That's that awesome. was last, I think it was last week, but it's down. That's we're like, huge. yeah, we're really doing, Long Island is doing great. Everyone's abiding by the rules, wearing the masks, socially distancing. Everyone's really doing what they're supposed to. It's definitely a lot of anger and controversy and, you know, all that kind of stuff that comes along with it. And everyone's entitled to their own personal opinion, but just put the stupid mask on. <laughs> yeah, big deal. Exactly. <laughs> Going to the supermarket, you're in there 15 minutes, just put the stupid mask on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Protect and yourself, protect dollars. Yeah, like, rip it off when you come out. And I will definitely say like, as much as I'm in remission, I still have a very slight butterfly rash across my face. It's not like active and the mask definitely does irritate it and i will like kind of lower it sometimes like a little tiny bit but i am very cognizant of who's around me and who's near me if i do something like that i won't you know 
walk near somebody, you know, like that, but you know, yeah, don't I don't give a stranger really, a hug. No, of course not. <laughs> I, no. I kind of sit sometimes and I listen to what's going on and I'm like, people, like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> we have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and I just think that there's so many people out there that just either don't believe in what's happening or just don't care. And those are the people that put people like us at risk and at danger. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty scary. But that's good. I'm happy to hear that New York is getting better. I know that the United States just went through the roof at one oh, point there. So killed, killed, yeah, killed. just what? crazy. And I feel bad for like my community. Like they, I do a support group that's not virtual, it's in person. And that has not been able to happen. And lupus happens to be, I know I might get reamed for this on your podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. Lupus is a very negative community. They are a very down in the dumps. Woe is me. I am the only one going through this community. And then you have the, we're going to do this. We're going to get through. And like, you have like the, the, those people. So these virtual meetings or support groups are very important to my community. Like they need them. They need to vent and get their emotions out there. So I'm working with a company now where we're trying to run some virtual support groups and I'm hoping to have that out soon because I could see it. I see it on Instagram, what people are saying and what they're going through and they're struggling. And, you know, I guess now that their families are quarantined, they are kind of telling them, well, suck it up, buttercup, because I'm quarantined too. So, you know, I don't want to hear it. And I can understand that. You know, I kind of, you know, at this point, it's like, maybe suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) This time, it can't fully be about you. (laughs) Everyone's struggling mentally, but they need an outlet of people who Mm -hmm. do understand. Like, you know, somebody needs to understand and they don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is huge, and I think that's happening to a lot of people with different chronic diseases as well. Mm-hmm. But why why do you think that people are kind of like their attitudes are like that with lupus, just because of the pain or medication or just dealing with the disease itself? Or I think it's because there's not a one size fits all, and I think that they've been they go through a lot before right. diagnosis and during diagnosis, and you never know what's going to work. So you get to where you throw your hands up in the air. And it's right. just like, there's no medication that's going to help me. Um, because there really isn't. No, no one really feels, people who are active lupus, they are in pain every single day. Like nothing takes mm-hmm. away their pain. And the fact that their body is attacking their kidneys and shutting them down and attacking other organs and shutting them down. There's no medication that's stopping that. So they're scared every single day. And that's, that's hard. That's a hard thing to live with every day. So I think that's, um, I think that's the main reason. And I don't think friends and family always understand that that's where they're coming from because they look at them. If maybe you're at a holiday, like you look at that person and they're sitting there and they're dressed beautiful and their makeup is on and their hair is done, but inside their body is attacking their body. And someone's going to make that comment and say, mm-hmm. well, you don't look sick. You look great to me. That's and the that's, worst. 
And that's the literally worst. the worst. That is the worst thing you can say to somebody because their bodies are killing them from the inside out and no one sees it. And I think that's why they're so negative. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, a fight every day. Yeah. It's like a war inside their body. Totally. Yeah. And you just, you just want that one person to listen to you. Yeah. And under, and try to understand you, even if they don't have lupus kind of thing, especially when it comes to invisible disease, because you know, invisible disease, it's exactly that, you know, you get your managers, your bosses that don't understand and they treat you like crap or like you're calling in sick and it's like, oh, well, you called in sick sick four times this month. It's like, you don't look sick. It's like, well, well, (laughs) you know, it's just like, so. and I've never had that. Like, I don't even know. So I won't even presume to know what the laws and rules are like on lupus disability. I don't even know if there is, I don't know. Here in New York, if your lupus flares up and you become disabled, if you're covered, I have no idea because I've never worked full time. Mm. So I've never had to find that out. But I would imagine that it's probably not um, just because I always, and that's another thing with lupus. It usually hits, um, it's a minority disease very, Mm. our numbers are very high with, um, African-Americans, Latinas. So you have a lot of minorities with it, which, you know, socioeconomically, that's generally a struggle. So financially they have a very hard time paying for the medications and everything else that they might need. And that's hard too, because these medications are not, they're not cheap. People who are going for infusions of, you know, Benlista, and whatever else is out there now, that's hard. And some of these companies are working to help the community, which is great. They, you know, have, you call these numbers and they teach you how to work with your insurance company and how it gets paid for, and which is really, really nice. So that's a great thing. And I'm part of um, an advocacy community, which is a lot of different diseases and everybody helps each other with all the different, which is really, really nice to go out there and see what other um, communities with other autoimmune diseases and chronic illnesses are doing for each other and their own diseases. So I can learn from somebody with fibromyalgia, what they're doing for their community and try to bring it into my community and see, I mean, I'm not the girl that's walking on Capitol Hill. That's, that is not me. I'm not going to do that. I am not going, I will sign to help pass that bill, but I'm not going to march to pass the bill. I, <laughs> I'm more of, you need a friend today? Call me up. I, I got you. I'm here. I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you emotionally, but that other stuff, like that's, but that's okay. Like that's, you know, I have my space and other people have their space, but it's nice to read these things and see what other mm. people in my community are doing. And I'll support that, you know, however I can. It just, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, like <laughs> it's just not, and I, I admit it, I, I, I know my limits. That's not, not going to happen. <laughs> Well, you know what? At least you're at least you're someone out there that's willing to help and listen to others and and be that yeah. friend, right? Because sometimes we just need a, a sounding board to just vent and and like let off our frustrations and our yes. like what we're pissed off about today and that sort of thing. It's like I totally get it, and like I'm the same as you. I'm 
not a marcher either. Like, yeah. how about her? you guys go for it. No problem. You want me to go for a, <laughs> you know, a 5k walk and, and donate some money? Got it. I'm in. You got yeah. the right girl. <laughs> you want me to go to the Capitol? And no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to lobby. I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, that's pretty not, cool. not great. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool that you're doing advocacy for people with other chronic diseases. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing with this podcast, for example. So, I mean, if you uh, talk to anybody that wants to tell their story on here, let me know. Absolutely. I happen to yeah. know like, a few like great people. It's like I do something um, on my website where I spotlight different people um, one day of the week, which is great. And then I am a accountability coach for women over 35 with autoimmune trying to take back control of their life. So that's what I do for a living. That's awesome. And I, it doesn't matter what, you know, the autoimmune is. It just, you know, just trying to get mm. people out of their own head sometimes sometimes you just need to get out of your own head and yeah that's really hard and you can't tell someone to get out of their own head you have to really let them figure it out on their own which is what I love about coaching is Mm -hmm. that you kind of get that person to realize where their walls are and how to break them down themselves Mm -hmm. you know you just kind of guide them there with certain questions and before you know it that light bulb goes off yes and they see what that block was and that's great Mm -hmm. well and and that's so cool too because you know i think the one thing with chronic illness chronic disease especially chronic pain is people are always stuck in the now and stuck in i'm never going to get better i'm in pain constantly every single day i wake up and it's bad and it's that constant negativity that daily that persistence in your brain and with coaching it's so cool because you can start focusing on the future and making plans for when you're going to be better and focusing on okay when the pain is gone or when the pain's better or when you can walk again or etc cetera, etc cetera. i love coaches i think that having more life coaches in the world is a great thing <laughs> yeah it's just like you said they get to like see like we you pick a one goal like what is the goal for next week like what are yes. we working on or tomorrow even for exactly. just this, you know, and how are we going to implement that? And how are we going, you know, and it's great. They come up with their own plan within their own world of what's going to work for them. And then the next week you say, all right, what about that plan didn't work? And usually I'll know pretty ahead of time what's going to be, you know, <laughs> what's not going to work. I'm kind of like, oh, that's going to fail, but let her do it. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. you got to learn, right? <laughs> you know, like the person who's like, I know and I'm only going to eat 900 calories this week. And I'm like, oh, brother, here we go. <laughs> Good luck. I'll be here. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going on a diet. I know this is it. I'm like, mm. mm-hmm. That's so <laughs> oh, funny. no, let's not do that. <laughs> but it's being able to be like, like almost like a guide. You're like, okay, that's a great idea. But, exactly. you know, just kind of, maybe yeah. we should try it this way or like yeah, tweak tried it, right? that before. Had that work out. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We're the realist of the world, right? <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes I'm just kind of I'm like, oh boy, you know. Well, my, my friend told me that she does a lot of CBD and, you know, I'm just going to buy CBD and take that, you know, three times a day. And I'm like, oh boy. Here we go. This is, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
then you're like at the end of like three or four days, they're texting you being like, it didn't work. Shocker. Right. <laughs> oh my, that didn't work out for you. Can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But then it's being there and like, you know, guiding them in the right direction next time. Cause you got to make sure that they learn from what they're doing. Right. If you don't Absolutely. learn, then you're not going to, you're not going to grow. That's the whole point yeah. of life. It's very, very funny though. Like sometimes you just have to laugh. You're like, oh, stop listening to your friends. <laughs> just come up with your own planning, right? If you listened to every person for every idea you had about your own chronic illness and how you thought you were going to holistically work on it and all the laughter and the crazy comments that you got about what you were going to do, would you even think you'd be where you are right now? Like you just said, you feel great. Like you're doing great. So all the naysayers, if you would have listened, definitely wouldn't be where you are now. Totally. Yeah. So you have to listen to yourself and your own body. Yeah, that's huge, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons why we get so sick so much because of the fact that like autoimmune, it, we're attacking ourselves, right? And so there, I think there's a huge connection between flare-ups and not listening to your own body, not listening to that inner voice, not listening to, okay, that doesn't feel good, so stop. It's like, okay, that doesn't feel good. I'm just going to keep pushing forward, right? And so it's being able to have that balance of, okay, I'm going to push myself to the point of where I'm still going to be healthy and I'm still going to listen to my body sort of thing. It's like kind of like what you were saying before where, you know, people didn't know that I had lupus because I just, I didn't let people see it. And I can only imagine what that suppression did for your disease. Oh, like the stress. Yeah. Of, of uh, myself. Definitely. But I always wonder like, and I always say to people, like if they call me, you know, one of my clients and they're in a flare or something happened and they'll say, well, let's go back in the past three days. What have you done? What have you eaten? What do you think you did? that caused this because you were doing grill. You can always tell if you, like you said, you're a vegan. So you know that if you eat cheese, the chances of your belly going a little crazy and you feeling sluggish and tired, you know what you did. You know exactly what set you off. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. And the more that we're able to like listen to that body and like right. follow what we're doing, it's the, the more we can recognize when those flare-ups are going to happen or how we can prevent those flare-ups from happening too. Yes. Yeah. Like I was an avid runner and I stopped because, you know, I'm older and my body was really telling me like it's enough with the running and became a huge yoga freak. I live for yoga. My body feels amazing. During the quarantine, the studio was closed. It's actually still closed. We have no gyms or anything open in New York. We're still all shut down here with um, healthcare and fitness. So I decided that I was going to start running again because I needed to do something. Well, fast forward two days. And my sciatic nerve is pinched. My hamstrings. I know what I did and I knew I shouldn't have done it. Did it anyway. <laughs> You're like, maybe I should have done some yoga at home instead. <laughs> I was doing the yoga at home. I missed my people. <laughs> I know. It's hard. Quarantine. Come on. <laughs> oh, I, I just, it's, are you guys open for fitness in Canada? 
Kind of. So I live in a town of like 3,600 people. So the town didn't really shut down that much just because there's not that many people here. Um, But the gym that we have here is open. We have one gym and you're only allowed to have eight people in it at a time. So it's pretty limited. But like for me, for example, I have a membership there, but I emailed the manager and I was like, I'm not going back for a long time. Cause like, again, I touch one person that has COVID and I have an autoimmune disease and guess what? It's worse for me than it is for them sort of thing. So I just, I think my boyfriend and I are going to get a, we have a treadmill at our other house. So we're going to bring it to this house. And then I think we're going to buy like a Bowflex or something. Oh, cool. Maybe do some like like workouts in the basement. Do you have that mirror thing? It's like a a full length mirror that you put on the wall and it has workouts in it and you work. Oh, that's cool. It's pretty cool. And I think it's called like the mirror. Oh my gosh. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Very, very cool. Like I was going to look into something like that because I have to do something. I'm losing it. Oh yeah. Me too. I know. And like the worst part is, especially like I'm, I'm really active too. And so we've been out hiking and doing this, but like I used to lift weights all the time. And so going from being toned and fit and, mm-hmm. and strong to like, I'm getting flabby and I have almost a tire around my belly. Like oh. someone needs to get this to stop. Like this is bad, bad. <laughs> because we're home and we are cooking eat, and, yeah. and I am drinking. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. Because we're bored. It's because we're bored. Why about it? It's so gorgeous out here. The weather is magnificent. Like I live by the water, so we go to the water all the time. But the Long Island Sound, it's magnificent. So you go by the sounds, and what do you take? A bottle of wine, some cheese, and some Mm -hmm. stuff. Next thing you know, you know, you drank the bottle of wine and the cheese. It's so bad. So bad. And you can't go really in. I mean, our restaurants and stuff are open, but um, we tend to be staying more in people's homes, like outside and same thing here. So you're just eating for hours, eating and drinking and eating and drinking and, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like everybody's going camping where I am. So you go camping, you eat like crap and you have, you're literally drinking all day long when you go camping. Like it's just a thing you do. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's so funny, but yeah, but I'm like you, I'm also, you know, a personal trainer. So I'm trying to do some like, um, going to people's homes a little, which Mm -hmm. has been great. People have reached out and wanting to do more and get healthier and even go for a walk. Like I have clients who will call me and say, will you just come for a walk with me? Yeah, that's what you need today. And we do the session on a walk. We don't, you know... FaceTime or Zoom, we do it. That's nice. A walk instead. Yeah. Which is nice with a cup of coffee and, you know, you just, sometimes you just, like a regular person without an autoimmune disease is, you know, starting to lose it. The mental well-being of so many people is at risk right now. So people need people and Mm -hmm. to talk to somebody who understands, it's so important right now. Definitely. I don't know. But I think, I think that like the loss of the human connection as well. Like, so I live in British Columbia, but my family is actually still back in Ontario and I probably won't see my parents until well over a year. Like, cause it was, it was March when I saw them last. And by the time there's a vaccine or it's actually safe to travel, it's probably going to be over a year. And so, you know, 
the whole disconnect and the lack of human connection and yeah, okay, fine. I see my boyfriend every day, which is great, but I need space from that too. And, um, you know, but I'm, I don't see my side of the family. I see his side of the family all the time, which is great, but I miss my family too. And so it's just like, there are so many people out there that, that don't have that human connection that need it, that, that thrive on it. That like, you look at extroverts, for example, like extroverts need a bunch of people in order to be energetic. That's how they work. And so Mm -hmm. you put an extrovert in a house and you tell them to quarantine with one other person who's their spouse. It's like, they're going to go nuts. And then you get introverts. I know a lot of introverts that were like, this is perfect. I love this. Quarantine is fantastic, but it's been what? four months now or whatever, how long it's been. And they're five like, okay, months. five months. Yeah. And they're like, okay, that's it. I've had it. I need right. some time with some people. And you know, when those people are starting to lose it, that we really hit like, oh, a wall. Like a, a wall. Yeah. Rock bottom. Yeah. Let's call it rock bottom. Definitely hit rock bottom when everybody is saying, yeah, we have another house too. And my husband and I, like there have been like, I've sent him there a few times. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just hard. It's just hard. I'm like, and I'm trying to you be gotta so go. patient. Like- <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be so patient. Like, don't get me wrong. Like he's awesome and like amazing and this and that, but you just need your own space sometimes. That's all I'm yeah. saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we all need our girlfriends, you know, mm-hmm. when's yes. the last time yes. you went to just the stores and walked around for nothing? Yeah. Like you don't need anything, but you just go. Like, I'm well, afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. We don't actually have a shopping mall here, so we can't do that. But <laughs> we, um, I actually went, I think it was about a month ago now. So my friend and I, we went, we, did, we, we drove about an hour away. We brought all pa- our paddle boards and it was just me and her. And it was like, oh my gosh, I needed this so badly. And so did she, because it was like space away from her boyfriend, space away from my boyfriend, just space out of this town. And then just the two of us kind of going, got some sushi, whatever, no big deal. And then we came back and I was like, okay, I feel a a lot better. I should just do that like once a week or something. You should. It's so important. It really, really is. Mm -hmm. I I think it's, you know, there's like a little, um, there's a camp here, a regular day camp and it opens up and the kids when they went that week all came home and they were crying with their parents saying how mm. nice it was to see their friends and yeah. people are just really taking for granted like we're getting so selfish that we think it's just us and because kids are so resilient but they're struggling they, mm-hmm. they really are they're having a yeah. very very hard time the kids and they weren't seeing their friends and only children who don't have anybody, oh. you know, no other child in the house. And that would that's, be hard. that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's really, really hard. But I don't know. We'll get through, right? That's, uh, yeah, eventually we'll figure it out. <laughs> It'll all be, it's, you know, doing better now. My dog is going cuckoo on my bed right now. So. <laughs> Not <laughs> yeah you mean even the pets are going crazy you know so going back to your lupus that was a little sidebar about COVID Just there <laughs> what do you think has been the best thing to come from all of this like since you were diagnosed or you know doing your advocacy stuff or anything what do you think the best thing is I think the best thing is that I realized how different everybody is and how it's not a one size fix fits all and being able to deal with different people 
and how they deal with their lupus or whatever other disease and how I deal with mine and being understanding about it, never mm. putting somebody else down for what works for them and what their thing is, because I think people definitely would laugh at me, like, you know, hearing that I did keto and I believe, I believe that that's what worked for me. Do I know for a fact? No, but I believe that's what worked for me. I believe mm -hmm. removing inflammatory foods for, from my body stopped my body from getting inflamed. Like, <laughs> so Magic. I, Magic. Yeah, like I'm very <laughs> accepting of things people say. Uh, and I do also, I try to have a great outlook on life because I never know when the other shoe is going to drop. I don't know when it's going to come back. I don't know how bad it's going to come back. I don't know if it's going to, I have no organ involvement now, but that doesn't mean I won't tomorrow, God forbid. So I live my life um, to the fullest and I really do live it like every day is the last day. So that's one of the good things that I have found about lupus, that it makes me really value life. That's and my awesome. Family. And the little things, yeah. like the littlest yeah. things can really make me smile. It really doesn't mm. take anything huge to do it you know my son could send me a text in the middle of the day to tell me something and i'm like oh he still thinks of me even though he's 20 years old pain in my butt like, <laughs> <laughs> you know my daughter i could walk in the house and out of the clear blue sky she'll just come downstairs and want a hug out of Aww. nowhere 17 years old and i'm like oh so special like you know mm -hmm. so you really appreciate smaller things like you don't need the big things anymore just no I can definitely I attest to that I think that you know I think any chronic disease kind of I think what happens is it takes away something huge from you like your health mm -hmm. and, it, and it puts like fear of losing your life sometimes in your mind and then it just makes you so grateful for waking up every day, especially when you're in remission, because, you know, you wake up, it's like, you can walk, go take the dog mm -hmm. for a walk. You can, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm the same, 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 same as you in regards to that. Like just being so grateful for everything. Like you cook yeah. something and you're like, this is delicious. I'm so good. Yes. At cooking. Yeah. <laughs> like the stupidest thing. It's like, seriously, yes. the stupidest thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I know. That's I have a exactly. bowl of cereal and milk and I'm like, okay, this is great. Well, almond milk. Um, and I'm like, this is it. I'm, I'm happy. I'm great. Fine. <laughs> yeah. It's hysterical. It's like literally those tiny little things could just, you know, make me happy. Like, and I think people know that about me and I've gotten the funniest, like my cousin one time sent me, I, I have a very foul mouth. It's terrible. <laughs> it really, really is. I just, I curse a lot. And she sent me like this tea with like a dirty, like a bad name on it. And like <laughs> this cup and, and with all this different tea and the cup, the mug said something, you know, with crude language on it. And I, you would have thought that she gave me a million dollars. I know another friend of mine sent me this, uh, this candle and it was the same thing with the F word, like all over it. <laughs> And I, again, you would have thought the sun, moon, and stars landed in my house. Like just silly little things that, you yeah. know, you appreciate and they make you smile. So yes. you appreciate little things. It's nice. 
Definitely. And I think that it's so much the thought too, you know, especially coming mm-hmm. from your friends and then they get you something that you just love and you're like, okay, this is amazing. <laughs> right. Like who would have thought something called snarky tea would have, you know, set me off into like dying. Like I was like, this is fantastic. Like- <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. So that's, I think that's a huge part of autoimmune disease. You really do yeah. learn to appreciate so much mm-hmm. with it. And I think gratitude is a huge part of, um, like, I think a lot of people should really implement some gratitude and mindfulness yeah. into their life and day. And you'd see a huge change in the world. Oh, if everybody 100%. Yeah. One thing a day that they yeah. were grateful for and held on to that for the day. Oh, yeah. just to see that could you imagine (laughs) imagine if you know you just made a little list of things you're actually happy about and not angry about yeah or miserable or complaining or etc 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 focus on the fact that you opened up your eyes this morning Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah yeah so So, uh, yeah i mean i just i just think that I think there's just not enough gratitude and especially towards other people too. Like people take other people for granted so much. It's just crazy. It is. And did you ever notice that if you, I mean, you can't do it now because you're wearing a mask, but if um, you're walking and you just smile at somebody, they smile back. It's Mm -hmm. just contagious. It just doesn't matter how foul of a mood they're in. Your happiness is so contagious and Mm -hmm. that's all you need to do is just, just like a test is for anyone who's listening, just walk down your stairs, walk down and smile at one of your kids or your husband or your wife, whatever it is, and watch what they do. Definitely. They will smile back. Yep. Same with laughter. I find that laughter is Yeah. Same with laughter. Same if you go, you know, they say that, um, there's like an experiment where somebody bought a cup of coffee for somebody and then throughout the day, it kind of continued for hours that the next person bought a cup of coffee and the next person, but, and they just kept buying oh, so the cup cool. of coffee for the person behind them because people want to be good. Like yeah, they really yeah. do. They want innately. We're not, it's harder to be nasty. Yes. It's easier to just be nice. So if everyone just did a little gratitude, a little mind journaling, like those are mm-hmm. such important things especially for chronic illness people when we get down in the dumps, cause we do get that. Those are, listen, those days happen. I've already said, if we get stuck with another round of this in the dead of winter, when we can't go outside and it's cold and it's dark and I might not be so happy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there's any amount of coffee or wine in the world that's going to make. <laughs> that's when you got to get the tequila. Screw it. <laughs> Something. Something, Something is going to have to give if we hit round two. So- <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, though. Seriously. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I don't even want to think about that. Cause like, oh, like Canada, we get like so much snow. It gets so cold and we get light from nine 30 to three 30. That's about oh. it in the winter time. It's just nuts. 
So yeah, that's like right here. Yeah. 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 Cause you guys are really close to like, you're not that far away from Ottawa where I grew up. Like you're only oh. I think, six or seven hour drive or something. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah. So something like that. yeah, I know we okay. sent down a few years ago when, when New York had that massive, massive storm and New York city had a, like, I don't know, like 10 feet of snow or something like that. We, they had to get our troops from Ottawa to go down. Oh, I remember the snow that. Yeah. 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 I yes. Yes. Cause so my son went to high school in Vaughan, Ontario, and that was, I think, eight or nine hours. Yeah, because you would have had to go a little bit west to get to Toronto. So I yeah. think Ottawa is kind of straight down from you. He went to school down the block from Canada's Wonderland. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Did he ever go to, you should ask him if he ever went to the reptile place, because there, there used to be a really cool, like, reptile zoo there anyway well i'm ask him that's very funny who knows yeah. he did a lot of things he shouldn't have done while he was up there so i'm sure he a reptile zoo would have been a fine <laughs> thing normal thing to do so let's see if he actually did something normal and productive yeah that's fair <laughs> that's funny that's funny yeah but yeah so that's that is my lupus journey and i definitely fight it every day and probably will continue mm. to fight it every day and always look for the good and the happiness and how to feel better, you know, in my own way with the help of my doctors. And I don't see it as a, as a death sentence or a bed sent. I don't, I just don't see it like that. I yeah. just see it as a learning experience and learn from it every day, how to live my life better and, and different. And my normal, like my normal might not be, somebody else's normal. So yeah. you just live it my normal. And I think everyone just needs to find their normal. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, I think that's huge being adaptable like that and, and what you're doing to be advocate for other people with lupus as well is huge. So could you give any of our listeners any more advice for their struggles? I think just always you should listen to your body. And if you find something that you think will work for you or you might want to try, do your due diligence, do your research. And with all of your questions, go to your doctor and talk about it and see how it can be implemented into your life and lifestyle without any contraindications to you. And if they tell you it's a go and that there's gonna be no harm, no foul if you tried it, try it. You never know. You never know what might work for you. And give it 21 to 28 days. <laughs> yes, key, that's a key. <laughs> you know, like you don't see a weight loss, right? You don't see one pound, two pound, three pounds. But in three weeks on a diet, you see a difference for weeks on a diet. You see this, and it's the same thing with gut health. You're not going to see that gut health change until the whole flora changes, and the flora of your gut is not changing in a few days. It 100%. takes work, it takes effort, and people do really believe that gut health is overall health. So if you see something that you think is going to work, research it. You, you really have nothing to lose but a few hours of your time. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for your time and your advice. How can our listeners get in touch with you? 
Well, you can get in touch with me. I am very active on Insta on Instagram, and my name on Instagram, uh, my handle is Keto Loopy. So that's K E T O L U P I E, one word. And then I have a website, um, which is just ketoloopy.com, and I blog on there sometimes. And there are some yoga videos on there, all different um, levels, so, you know, for your own whatever you want to do. And then there's some high intensity stuff on there. <laughs> I post a lot of recipes, a lot of food. Uh, so nothing will have inflammatory foods in it. And fun stuff on Instagram. Sometimes you could see me chasing my puppy. Sometimes you, see, <laughs> you never know what I might put on there and you might catch a couple of those fun words I like to say. <laughs> if you watch my stories, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise. It's a surprise. <laughs> you never know, especially on a day like today when I can't register my daughter for the ACT. You never know what I might say. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll make sure that your contact details are in the podcast description there. Perfect. That's awesome. Thank you. This was so nice. Yeah. Thanks so much, Danielle. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Danielle and I will catch you on the flip side.